again to a Beatles talk show podcast called Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast that we do every two weeks here, usually live at 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday nights. I'm Ken Michaels. I'm one of the four regular co-hosts of this show. Hopefully you're familiar with the other programs that I do on the Beatles, a syndicated radio show, which is on around 50 radio stations at the moment called Every Little Thing. Another talk show podcast called Things We Said Today that I co-host with Alan Cozen and Darren DeVivo. And I also have my own YouTube channel, which is all about the Beatles, just conversations about them, called Ken Michaels Radio. And I'm being joined, as I usually am, with my partners in crime here. And uh, we'll start with Kid O'Toole, who is the queen, of course, of Beatles social media. And she is also the author of several books including songs we were singing, guided tours through the Beatles' lesser-known tracks, Michael Jackson FAQ, all the stuff to know about the King of Pop, and also fandom in the Beatles that she collaborated with with our colleague Ken Womack. And she's really all over the place. She also is involved with another Beatles podcast, Toppermost of the Poppermost. And uh, gosh, she writes lots of articles on all different types of music, really specializing quite a lot in soul music as well. Kit, welcome. Thank you. Uh, my friends and I say good, uh, good evening to all of you tonight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, we have one of the two co-hosts of the very popular solo Paul McCartney podcast, Two Legs. He co-hosts that with Annie Nichols. Always busy, cranking out shows all the time. Tom Hunyadi, how you doing? I'm wonderful, Ken. Thank you very much, and it's great to see everybody. And all of you out there watching, let's, uh, let's have fun with this one. I, I can't wait to see what you guys think about this particular uh, album that we're going to be talking about tonight. So, Okay. If you want a hint as to what it is, just look behind Kit. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, she always has the best backdrops. We all yes. acknowledge that. Yes. But yes. one of the problems I have with all the t-shirts that I wear is that you never get to see. It's always lower than where the right. is. <laughs> but this is a dark horse shirt. Oh, wow. Hey. Really cool. cool. I'm prepared for the show tonight. Yeah. But it looks better on, on when, with you in front of it. Yeah. Also, we have Joe Mayo with us from the very, very popular uh, channel on YouTube, Mean Mr. Mayo, does all kinds of things, talks about the Beatles quite a lot. 
a lot about popular culture, reviews all kinds of albums, does his Fab Gab feature where he rates tracks from Beatle albums and solo Beatle albums. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Hello, Ken. Hello, kid. Hello, Tom. Let's go and talk about George. Let's go get this show on the road. All right. <laughs> well, tonight on the program, sort of as a tribute to George, we've all been doing tribute shows to George on our respective shows. We thought we'd do one of our most popular features, which is called Another Listen. And that's when we examine a solo Beatle album that maybe you feel deserves to get more recognition. Isn't that familiar to the general public? Something that we can talk about in depth. So we decided, because getting, we're getting a lot of people writing in, uh, asking us to talk about this album, it would be George's 1974 album called Dark Horse. And so there you go. Still, you know, hits backdrop rules. Yep. Hey. So it doesn't really matter what we put up. Exactly. That. Kit wins again. <laughs> Always. <why> the queen. <laughs> it is she. Nicely played, sir. <laughs> so uh, we'll be talking about that at length, and we'd love to hear everyone's comments about the about the album and what we're talking about in the next hour or so. But before we do that, as usual, we have uh, a bit of Beatle news to get to. The last show that we did, which was a tribute to Yoko, we wanted to keep it really focused on Yoko with our special guest, Madeline McCarrow. So uh, we have quite a lot of catching up to do. In the last few weeks, birthday greetings were sent out to George Harrison with, as I said, February 25th, marking what would have been his 80th birthday. Paul McCartney sent the message online, happy would have been to my mate, George Harrison. Ringo Starr posted, happy 80, my friend, peace and love. I miss you, man. Hmm. Meanwhile, Yoko Ono celebrated her 90th birthday on February the 18th. The big news about Yoko is that she has decided to leave Manhattan and the Dakota building that she has made her home for 50 years. And she has relocated to a 600-acre farm near Franklin, New York, which she and John bought in 1978. The Daily Mail is reporting that Yoko has decided to move there full-time and has no plans to return to the Dakota, uh, the apartment she once shared with John. And at the same time, there is no suggestion that she plans on selling the apartment. This is a major change of pace for Yoko, who's been forced to step back from public life because of her ill health in recent years. Yoko, in fact, celebrated her 90th birthday with a party at the farm with her longtime friend and publicist, Elliot Mintz, son Sean and his girlfriend and musician Charlotte Kent Moole and uh, Elliot says there was plenty of singing and laughter at the party which went on throughout the afternoon and lasted until about 9 p.m. Yeah that's about when I want to go to bed too about nine. <laughs> get everybody out you know get on the couch watch a movie maybe fall asleep on the couch. That's We're all falling asleep a little bit earlier yeah. as we get older. Yeah <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Don't blame Yoko at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot was made in the last few weeks that Paul McCartney will be guesting on the new Rolling Stones album and that Paul has laid down a bass part for one of the songs to be produced by Andrew Watt 
the producer that Paul has been saying he's done some work with recently. Initial reports that Ringo was also going to be guesting on the new album have been refuted at this point. Recording sessions took place in recent weeks and the album's production is said to be nearing the mixing phase. It will also include tracks with the Stones' late drummer Charlie Watts, who died in 2021 at the age of 80. Of course, it's big news because it's it's a Beatle with the Rolling Stones. And, um, you know, as I said in my other podcast, it would be really cool if there was any footage of this, of right. Paul in the studio with them. But I know my colleague Darren said, from what he understands, it was something where, you know, he was sent the tracks and he laid down his bass part. So that would be like a great video for a single. Yeah, no kidding. Love I mean, look, they're that. all, yeah, they're all friends, you know, I mean, both factions are, who knows how long, much longer they're going to be around. I say, let anybody work together, whoever they want to work with, you know, I mean, if it, if it's a great track, that's, then, then that's just the icing on the cake, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, what, um, seeing how this track turns out. Yeah. I was kind of hoping there was going to be a little more, you know, at first it made it sound like you, Paul was going to be doing some singing or something. And I was all prepared to say, if this would be the, the final Stones album, you could say their career started with I Want to Be Your Man and mm -hmm. ended with Paul on the album. <laughs> but, that would have uh, been perfect. Yeah. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. But I agree. I'm looking forward to hearing the track. I just, I really hope it's a really interesting baseline that Paul adds mm -hmm. to be really cool yeah i hope it's something because you know paul says they're just a blues band so hopefully he can add something <laughs> else to it i think he might have regretted saying that because mick came back and you think <laughs> maybe this is him making up for that comment yeah. yeah maybe maybe this is him making up for that comment okay all right also big news of the last few weeks is that the solo catalog with George Harrison has moved to Dark Horse Records via BMG. This includes the 12-album catalog from 1968's Wonderwall Music to 2002's Brainwash, plus Live in Japan, Let It Roll, Songs by George Harrison, Early Takes Volume 1, The Apple Years Box Set, 1968 to 1975, and The Dark Horse Years, 1976 to 1992. In celebration of George's 80th birthday on February 25th, Dark Horse BMG released his entire catalog on Dolby Atmos Surround Sound, exclusively on Apple Music. But other interesting news regarding the Dark Horse label is that they've been busy acquiring back catalogs, including 16 albums from the late Leon Russell. They also signed a deal with Yusuf Islam, the artist formerly known as and still to some as, Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens, or Yusuf, will have a new album coming out on Dark Horse, and he does an acoustic guitar version of Here Comes the Sun on the album. They're also planning an album from longtime Tom Petty keyboard player, Ben Montench. So as witnessed from acquiring the catalog of Joe Strummer, Dark Horse looks to be more than just reissuing the back catalog. Hmm. Now, in our last show, we mentioned several upcoming releases for Record Store Day, which is April 22nd, including a half-speed master vinyl for Wings album Red Rose Speedway, a nine-EP white vinyl box set for the recent John Lennon compilation Give Me Some Truth, and 
both a 2LP version, and I have to correct myself, I said a 1LP version of Stop and Smell the Roses from Ringo. It's actually a CD, one oh. CD, and only 500 copies were made of that, along with the soundtrack album for the Western film Blind Man, which Ringo wrote the title theme for, but his song was never in the soundtrack. We neglected to also mention two Dark Horse albums that will be coming out. That's Joe Strummer and his band, The Mescaleros. The Streetcore album that they made will be available with 1,760 copies made. And a band hmm. that was on Dark Horse, The Stair Steps. They used to be the five Stair Steps, if you remember Ooh Child. They also recorded Dear Prudence, which I think might have hmm. been... The, side of that single it's one one on one of their singles well the stair steps um second album oh no it's called second resurrection uh was on dark horse in 1975 and they're releasing that for record store day 1410 copies made for that all right so that's everything for record store day for Beatles fans march 15th there'll be a big concert honoring paul mccartney at carnegie hall with various artists all performing his songs. Peter Asher will be there. Denny Lane is scheduled to appear. Now, I just saw Denny in concert. He did an all-acoustic show, Him Alone, and he announced that he'll be performing with Christopher Cross and doing Mullet Kintyre at this show. Oh, oh very so cool. He'll be performing with Nancy Wilson of Heart fame, and wow. they're doing Band on the Run. Also appearing will be Natalie Merchant, Betty LeVette, Lyle Lovett, Bruce Hornsby, Graham Nash, the Cactus Blossoms, and others. No word as to whether or not Paul will show up. That's a cool lineup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big event, March 15th at Carnegie Hall. Rolling Stone Magazine just came up with another one of their useless lists. <laughs> <laughs> their top 50 genuinely horrible albums by brilliant artists. And three solo Beatle albums made the list. At number 30 was Paul's Give My Regards to Broad Street. Number 19 is George's Gone Trapo. And at number seven, Unfinished Music Number One, Two Virgins by John and Yoko. First of all, how could you put two virgins in the same category as all the pop albums that they that they put on the list? What's Broad Street doing on that list? It's a soundtrack. I mean, shouldn't that be considered? A well, I mean, it's not version? that bad. I don't, you know, the movie's another mm -hmm. story, but I, right. I don't mind the soundtrack. I don't either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they were doing, uh, you know, bad movies by brilliant artists, then I would say, yeah, put Broad Street on there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you might get some feedback from that comment there, Tom. I know I will. I'm not worried <laughs> about that. <laughs> we have to be honest here. <laughs> I think these people at Rolling Stone need to watch our show. That's what I think. <laughs> might change go. their opinions. All right. Yep. The band Brothers of the Heart have just released their second album called Listen to the Music, in which they covered the Wings hit Let Him In. The band includes award-winning artists Jimmy Fortune, Ben Isaacs, Bradley Walker, and Mike Rogers. The album consists of the group's interpretations of pop, country, and gospel songs. And the group also recorded a TV special from the Grand Old Opry, which just aired on RFD-TV. Their entire album you can hear on YouTube, and it's been released on CD and DVD. New cover of Let Him In. Another cover version to announce comes from our friend, Fernando Perdomo. As you'll recall... He helped to produce the recent tribute album to Paul and Linda's album, Ram, 
called Ram On, which he worked on with drummer Danny Sywell. Fernando discovered the Beatles song Tomorrow Never Knows, and he got Greg Bissonette to drum oh, on. How cool. You can check that out on YouTube. Also, jazz pianist Brad Meldow has just released an album of all jazz renditions of Beatles songs called Your Mother Should Know. Uh, Brad Meldow plays the Beatles on the None Such label. It includes renditions of I Am the Walrus, Maxwell Silver Hammer, Babies in Black, I Saw Her Standing There, For No One, She Said, She Said, and the title track to Your Mother Should Know. Also, Luca Parasi's new book on Paul is officially out now. It's called You Have It Already? Darn tootin' I do. Jeez. <laughs> I'm getting it in the mail. Luca sent, is sending me a copy. Oh, cool. well, I don't have it. In the mail. Is this another one that I'm going to have to do that I don't have the book? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yet. I get, by the way, I get the book, folks, but no way, I get it by the time the show comes. Yes, absolutely. Tom Hunyadi, his new podcast show, Ahead of the Curve. <laughs> you got to be ready these days, you know? You gotta... That's right. I know. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, the new book play, is man. called Paul McCartney, Music is Ideas, The Stories Behind the Songs, Volume 1, 1970 to 1989. Luca is known for his previous book on Paul, Recording Sessions. That one's on you. you don't have it. That one's on you. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> Recording sessions 1969 to 2013, a journey through Paul McCartney songs after the Beatles. The new book is 542 pages yeah. and it consists of 346 song sheets. That means entries. 346 songs he talks about here, including mm -hmm. songs written by other composers as well. And uh, there's also 50 unreleased tracks that are covered here, providing detailed information uh, in the book of musicians and recording dates, also anecdotes, contemporary interviews, together with exclusive interviews with key personnel by the author. It's enriched with over a thousand footnotes and with dozens of illustrations and photographs. Also, albums, tours, and other events provide a background to the stories behind the songs. Luca also has uh, a volume two planned for next year. And he's been a busy man in many ways where Paul is concerned because he was appointed one of two official Italian translators for Paul's lyrics book and also collaborated with MPL on the label copy for Paul's singles box set. Wow. I just did a really brief interview with him this yep. afternoon, which I put on my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. Awesome. It's a sneak peek into the brand new book from Luca which you should uh, check out. All right, uh, before we get to our main topic, a few major passings to note. Um, you know, in the past, gotta be three weeks now or so, we have to mention the death of Burt Bacharach, who is without a doubt, one of the greatest songwriters we've ever had. Um, as far as the Beatles are concerned, he covered, the Beatles covered one of his songs, Baby It's You. We also know that in the Brian Epstein camp, artists who were managed by Brian and produced by George Martin, Billy J. Kramer recorded Trains and Boats and Planes, another Bacharach and Hal David song. Um, Scylla Black recorded Anyone Who Had a Heart and Alfie. And Paul McCartney posted on his Twitter account a photo of himself with Bacharach and Jimmy Buffett sharing 
Dear Burt Bacharach has passed away. His songs were an inspiration to people like me. I met him on a couple of occasions, and he was a very kind and talented man who will be missed by, by us all. His songs were distinctive and different from many others in the 60s and 70s. In a follow-up tweet, McCartney said, when we met not too long ago, he reminded me that he had been the musical uh, director for Marlena Dietrich when the mm. Beatles shared the bill with her at the uh, Prince of Wales Theater. That was for the Royal Variety Performance Show. Wow. He was a lovely man. Nancy and I send lots of love to his family. Mm. Also, another legend that passed away was Raquel Welch, who I know is known for being mainly a sex symbol. But apart <laughs> from that and her film roles, she starred in The Magic Christian with Ringo and Peter Sellers, where she played the villainous Princess of the Whip. In the film, she's dressed in an armored leather bikini with a headdress, leather cuffs, and bullwhip leaving nothing to the imagination. <laughs> Raquel died after a brief illness. She was eight. <laughs> and also, uh, we learned just recently of the passing of R&B artist Chuck Jackson. Chuck was the original artist behind the song I Keep Forgetting, which Ringo covered on his old Wave album. And he's best known for the hit Any Day Now, which was covered by a lot of artists like Elvis Presley and an artist that I know Tom and I both like very much. Ronnie Millsap. Legend, Ronnie Millsap. Yep. Great cover. Um, and yes. by the way, who do you think wrote the song Any Day Now? Yes, who did? Bert Bacharach. Bert Bacharach. <laughs> oh! Everything comes back to Bert Bacharach. Yes. I suppose. It's like Kevin Bacon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for Beetle News this time. Okay, so um, some background right now as we talk about the uh, Dark Horse album. 1974 was a very busy year for George Harrison. Um, yes. He took a sabbatical where he spent time in India in February. In March, he recorded the Shanker Family and Friends album in Los Angeles at AM Records. He also formed a publishing company, Oops Publishing, for his <laughs> British publishing. He launched his own label, Dark Horse Records, on May the 23rd. And the formation of the label was announced at a press conference in Paris, and that was in June. He also worked on Splinter's album, The Place I Love. He spent about a year working on that album. He played on it, produced it. It was the first release um, on Dark Horse, their debut release. And George is all over that album. His fingerprints are all over it. Really sounds very much like a George Harrison album. He worked with Ravi Shankar, producing a concert called Music Festival from India at the Royal Albert Hall in London. That was on September the 23rd and accompanied Ravi's musicians on a European tour. And that tour wrapped up the second week in October. He also worked on his own Dark Horse album and launched his first full-scale tour of the US. And that ran from um, November 2nd. It was a North American tour. Started in Vancouver, November 2nd. Went till December the 20th at Madison Square Garden for two shows there. 45 concerts in 26 cities spread over seven weeks. Wow. Rehearsals for the tour 
He spent two and a half weeks in LA in October for that. And the Dark Horse album was released on December the 9th that year. Over a month after the tour started, with less than two weeks left. Yeah. What a crime that was. I don't know anybody that does a tour that doesn't have, if they're promoting their new album, the album should be out by then. And um, so the Dark Horse album, George worked on a bit in his own studio in November of 73, also in August and September of 74, and at A&M Studios in LA in October of 74. And also a big thing that happened to George that year in 74, he broke up with Patty. So um, this album, in a lot of ways, I think, has been ridiculed a bit with you know the the media always harping on the word horse and doing a play on that word because George's voice sounded hoarse to some people on the album and having witnessed him in concert that year I'm so happy that I had a chance to go to that tour um, I could understand the criticism somewhat I barely heard George's voice during the concert. Could also be the mix where I saw him at the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. But, um, you know, usually when you talk about George Harrison and his solo career, you usually hear the same things like All Things Must Pass was his crowning achievement, made a big comeback with Cloud Nine. But I also know, thankfully, from doing shows like this and things we said today and all the Beatle podcast shows out there, I truthfully feel that um, more people are respecting George's catalog overall and specific albums of his. Um, and we talk about these albums here on this show. And we're going to talk right now about specifically Dark Horse. And I know that uh, usually whenever we do these Another Listen shows, because uh, I tend to be the elder statesman here, actually, me and Joe are the, the elder statesmen of this show <laughs> we could be fortunate enough to say that we remember when the album came out um tom was one when the album came out so i'm sure he has vivid yep. memories of dark oh it's great time <laughs> and kid was only a few years old when dark yeah it's, oh totally remember <laughs> so there's a huge difference between growing up and being exposed to it. And as I've said about myself, I feel very fortunate that where the Beatles are concerned, the group and the solo years, I got to hear all the music as it came out chronologically, as it happened. It's a, it could be a completely different experience if you're, if you're young now or you're a teenager and you're just getting into the Beatles. You don't even know where to start. You might not do things chronologically. You might just bounce around and go mm -hmm. different decades and everybody's different in the way that they handle listening to this music but i know that for myself and maybe for joe i'm going to find out since we're going to talk to joe first what do you remember about dark horse when it first came out what were your initial what was your initial reaction to it okay absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> what a great start yeah and the reason why the reason why I say that is everything you said, Ken, building this up is that it's true. You know, I have memories, fond memories of uh, uh, these albums um, for the most part. But uh, I was 12 in 74 and not yet on my Beatles kick yet. 
in 74, that was the year that uh, my friend that lived across the street uh, played his Beatles albums for me. Mm. And I had remembered them from being like six, seven, eight years old like that and hadn't listened to them since. So I kind of was rediscovering the Beatles, but uh, it wasn't until around 76, 77 that I would be getting into more into the solo stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have no firsthand recollection of, when it comes to Dark Horse. Uh, I wasn't really into it yet, getting the solo stuff as it came out. And in fact, I was thinking in preparation for the show, when did that occur that I first heard it? And I mm. can't remember this one. Some of them I can remember. Well, maybe I caught up with like, uh, I don't know, uh, McCartney, the McCartney album somewhere at a store or something. I bought it at. don't remember when I heard first heard Dark Horse. So I don't have any recollection. But um, when I first heard I can tell you what I thought when I first heard it. Mm. That's why I didn't really like it much at all. When I first heard it at that particular time, I must have at that time, I must have been about, oh, I'm going to say 17 or something like that. And I, I, I liked the only thing I really liked was the ding dong, ding dong single. And I got a hold of the single first thing and I, somewhere I found the single and I used to play that, even though it's more of a new year's song really it does it fits the the holiday season anyway the whole thing mm-hmm. you know you can play it at the christmas time or you could play it at new year's and i came to like that even though i could tell his voice on that particular track is not very good that's one of them where i think the hoarseness of his voice the roughness comes through and uh for the record i upon revisiting this album I didn't think that his voice sounded all that hoarse on every song. Some no. of them I thought, no, that doesn't sound bad on this. Only certain tracks. And warbly, maybe. Yeah. But uh, warbly, a little whiny and, and things like that. But uh, that's all I had to go with, you know, for the beginning was ding dong, ding dong. Okay. Initially. Well, I can tell you that from my perspective, you know, I don't really recall the criticism at the time about George's voice, except when the tour was panned. I don't really remember much being said about the album with his voice being hoarse mm. at that time. And there's one parallel I want to make here, because when Dark Horse first came out, I listened to it religiously every single day, grew to love all the songs didn't really hear too much in George's voice that was all that bad. And I got used to it. It kind of reminded me in many ways when I was a little kid growing up and I heard Twist and Shout, I loved Twist and Shout. And I loved John's voice on Twist and Shout. And I thought, what a great rock and roll voice. Of course, it was that way on so many songs that he did at the time. And then later on, you learn that the Please Please Me album, 10 of the 14 songs were done in one day. Twist and Shout was the last song that they recorded, and John's voice was shot. Okay, and he was sucking on lozenges. He was giving it all he got. I never would have thought that growing up, <laughs> listening to Twist and Shout. I loved his voice just the way it was. But now we have that narrative that's driven into our brains about Twist and Shout and John's voice. I love his voice just the way it was on Twist and Shout. But I never would have thought there was anything wrong with it. 
And for the most part, I was very used to George's voice on Dark Horse. Yeah, you can hear a strain here and there. Like you mentioned, Joe, on Ding Dong, Ding Dong. Um, the yesterday, today was tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That part, like he's straining. There are a few, a few moments there, but for the most part, I liked his voice on Dark Horse. I got very used to it. And um, I grew to love, really, all the songs. Even Bye Bye Love, which everybody pans. It's just a unique arrangement to it. But um, let's talk to Tom and to Kid about this, your initial reaction. When did you first listen to the Dark Horse album? Uh, Kit, let's start with you. Yeah, I've been trying to remember when I, I first heard it. Um, I'm guessing it was probably after Cloud Nine came out because I was just starting to, to get into George's solo catalog, you know, starting to get into it extensively mm. uh, around that, you know, probably that time. I mean, I was, I'd already, I already had all things must pass, of course, Cloud Nine, and probably, I think the greatest hits album, the, you know, Best of Dark Horse, and that had uh, Dark Horse on it. And that probably was the first song um, that I heard. Uh, from that and i think some radio stations were still playing that song uh dark horse some of the classic rock stations mm -hmm. um and so i knew that song and you know and i was kind of used to hearing the rough vocals on on that song so initially i i guess i didn't think much of it because really? it's just kind of like that i was used to it you mm -hmm. know but you know it was i think it was a case of and, and Tom, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts too. When I was then reading up on George's life and, and his career and all, you tended to hear, you'll read what an awful album this was, how he sounded terrible, the, the tour was awful, you know, the whole thing. You know, I mean, you just, that was the accepted, supposedly, wisdom of the time. Hmm. So I kind of went into this album then with that mindset. You know, you're like, oh, this is going to be an awful album. And so when I listened to it, that's kind of, you know, I had kind of that opinion. And it just shows you how, you know, when when you are reading that stuff and that, you know, before listening to the album, it does color your, your you know, affect your listening. I mean, it really does. Mm -hmm. And so I did kind of think, oh, yeah, this is kind of a weak album. And yeah, I can hear where, you know, the, the voice is strained. And yeah, this is kind of a weaker album. And um, yeah, Ding Dong, Ding Dong, I kind of liked. And, and I did like the song Dark Horse. But that was about it. And so I then kind of put it away for, for years. And, and uh, But I really think that the biographies I read and and some of the other books really affected how I listened to the album and shaped my opinion of it but uh has it changed well we'll we'll find out tonight well <laughs> excuse me but Kate you, you you made me think of something I forgot to mention uh the first time I heard Dark Horse was on the best of George Harrison album yeah uh mm -hmm. that's that's the first time that I heard it and I remember going to Seaside Heights in New Jersey, there was a, a boardwalk with games on there. You win albums. And I won the best of George Harrison. And that, that was the only song, in addition to the Ding Dong Ding Dongs single I had, 
that I remember mm -hmm. hearing. So I, I'll talk just if I can, just for a minute, a little bit about the song Dark Horse. I really love that song now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I got used to it from the, the best of George Harrison. Right. And although that's one of the most telling audio signs, I think, of his strained voice and the problems with his voice on that, uh, you know, after all, there's a version that you hear now. Uh, what is it? Is it a demo or an yeah, early version of it? A bonus. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and his voice is really good on that. But yet, like Ken was saying about getting used to it, I've come to accept that much like Twist and Shout. You're used to hearing that, yeah. I guess, with the song Dark Horse. So mm -hmm. I actually like the strain of of the Dark Horse song. Well, I, mm -hmm. but I could say, yeah, yeah, the, his voice wasn't in great shape singing it. But I kind of like the song that way. Although the other one that sounds so much better vocally is kind of an improvement. Somehow after being so weaned on the album version of it. It's hard to accept the other one. Yeah, there was a reissue that came out in 2014 of Dark Horse, and it was part of the Apple box set, Apple Years box set. So that one, yeah. And uh, not only that, but the song Dark Horse is such a unique composition in a way, because I hadn't heard anything like that, probably from most artists. But the way that it kicks in with the acoustic guitar and that, that opening riff was very different and very unique, which drew me to it you know um i like the flutes on it right this oh yeah i like that a lot definitely well you're keeping me in suspense kit uh so we're gonna have to wait to see what your that's what your right <laughs> that's a little teaser <laughs> tom how about you well ken you know regarding your comment about the the raspiness of lennon's vocals um if this was a more high energy album i would agree with your assessment on that but mm. this isn't really a high energy record in my opinion so uh, you know your your thoughts on the raspy voice i i get it i understand but you know being younger and then and looking back on it now you know we maybe kit and i maybe have a different you know thoughts on it because we didn't live it real time uh, we didn't get to experience it. You know, unfortunately, you know, you, you said that you, you really couldn't hear his vocals on the, on the, on the, on the, on the tour, mm -hmm. which was a shame. But, uh, but anyways, um, this is kind of funny. When, when did the, uh, the Dark Horse Years box set come out? I think it was, was it, 2012. Was it before? No, that's the George Harrison. The Apple Years came out. The, 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 the Dark Horse Years one came out first. Um, I believe. But anyways, um, I had gotten that set and I hold, I held off on buying three, three CDs, uh, Living in the Material World, Dark Horse and Extra Texture, only because of the fact that, okay, well, this, this Dark Horse Years box just came out. Maybe we'll get the earlier albums out here soon. Well, we had to wait another 10, 12 years uh, or however long for that box set. So um, I didn't l listen to this album, unfortunately, and I kicked myself in the butt for this until uh, a couple days after he died. Um, <laughs> a CD store, a CD store that I went to, you know, had his stuff, and I just kept passing out. I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, you know, I'll get it. Well, you know, he dies. I rushed to the to that CD store. I bought the three CDs that I didn't have in my collection yet, and it was, you know, like I said, Dark Horse, Extra Texture, and uh, Living in the Material World. So that being said, you know, listening to it, it was an interesting listening experience. Um, you know, obviously I knew Dark Horse, I knew Ding Dong, Ding Dong, 
Um, but some of it didn't just, some of it didn't jive with me uh, that much. I kind of, you know, was familiar with Bye Bye Love, so it was interesting to see what he did with that. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you can say that some of this is kind of bi biographical um, in a way some songs were, um, but uh, to be honest with you, this wasn't, this wasn't a blow me away record when I first heard it. Um, like Kit, you know, once you once you realize or you you learn why his voice was like that, because it, right off the bat, you know, you you know the first uh, vocal song, "Simply Shady," track two, you know, you you get it right off the bat. You yeah. know, what's wrong with his vocals? Why doesn't his vocals sound as good as they did on "All Things Must Pass"? You know, why didn't they sound good on "Cloud 9 You know, so obviously that's when you go back and you learn this stuff and you go, okay, and then you know. Some of the reasons that you you talked about at the beginning, you know, launching launching Dark Horse, uh, recording Splinter, recording um, uh, with Rabbi, um, you know, Ravi doing Shankar all of these, friends. yeah, Rabbi Shankar, you know, the tour he had to get ready for, the uh, the Dark Horse album he had to get he had to do, I mean, that's pressure and stress right there will do things to you, right? Um, you know, and you know, in strange ways, you know, and maybe that that's you know some of those are could be the reasons why he ended up with you know the horse voice or the raspy or the rod stewart voice if you want to say you know well, i can tell you i didn't hear that that <laughs> i didn't hear that much hoarseness in right. his voice when the album right. came out it's a sound yeah. natural to me yeah i i wasn't blown away lyrically by this album as i was with other albums of his um but because of maybe you know you had you know instrumental you had a couple mantra mantra type songs um not really you know ding dong ding dong i mean i wasn't really lyrically challenged either um you i got know, some so, lyrics written out <laughs> well yeah i mean it's got a couple but i mean it, it's not like you know run of the mill you know it's just, you know uh you know challenging songs or you know deep thought songs um it, you know so this was okay um you know over the years i've i've my love for it has you know weaned or or has has grown you know so it, i guess it, you know i listened to it again this week this past weekend and i guess maybe i just it just didn't uh, do anything for me like it has done in the past um I, I still enjoy it you know i don't just you know dismiss it or anything like that it's still a good album but you know we'll get more into it uh as we go but well you know it's an unfortunate thing yeah. that you know, when you're doing shows like this, and I experienced this with things we said today, like Darren says to me, you've always got to have albums that you rate at the bottom <laughs> and an artist catalog. And everybody's right. got different opinions. And I'm not saying that oh, yeah. that's my opinion. But, right. you know, there's there's so many sides to George Harrison. Some people prefer the more commercial side of him. Right. Some like the more deep spiritual side of George. Some like the very comical side of George. As we've talked about here a lot on this show, Cracker Box Palace, mm. the video for Got My Mind Set on You doing the somersaults and all that, even though it's not really George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but stuff like that. There are people who love that. Ding dong, ding dong, seeing him wearing all those suits in the video and all. Oh, that. yeah, absolutely. So there are people who go more for that side of George. Um, some people don't want the very preachy, serious George. Oh, right. Want something that's lighter, and yeah. I think that the songs on on Dark Horse have meaning to George, especially something like "It Is He," something chant like mm -hmm. like that. Um, some people look at this album as being very personal, 
Yeah. He was going. So sad is, is what you know, I, I want to um, talk about. Yeah. Well, I do want to say, too, that I mean, yeah. That. Right. So you can look at songs like So Sad, mm -hmm. even though he started writing that in 1972. You can relate that to his situation and certainly Bye Bye Love, adding some lyrics in there. Right. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> But but you know I do want to say musically I think this 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 is a superior record musically I mean the the artist that he's had on this record you know is amazing you know Willie Weeks uh, we, you know we so we talk about him you know often and you know a bunch of you know Keltner Foreman you know Ringo yeah, and all the, you know a lot of people on this on this record so musicianship wise I think this is you know a great great album. You can never argue that point with any George Harrison yeah. album because he always I, you got you always. absolutely right. Absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, I can remember when this album came out, me being a radio geek, and in New York City, WPLJ, which was the rock station at the time, and the stuff that they played from it. And it got very decent airplay, this album. And it wasn't mm -hmm. just the title track to Dark Horse. I did hear So Sad quite a lot on the radio, and I heard Maya Love a lot. I'm mm -hmm. trying to remember, I might have heard Simply Shady, mm. and I might have heard Harry's on tour, but definitely Maya Love and, and So Sad, along with Dark Horse, and Ding Dong Ding Dong, especially since it was towards the end of the year when the album came out. So I was very happy to hear this album getting airplay, and... Um, those are memories that stick with me. You know, what got played on the air and what didn't get, get played on the air. Yeah. But, um, you know, through the years, I've come to appreciate this album even more. And even if I might look at it as being one of his lesser albums, I think George's catalog is so solid all the way through. I'm not saying every song is great, but there's so much worthwhile material on all of his albums. You know, I kind of look at, and we all expressed our opinions here, maybe Extra Texture and Somewhere in England, the version that came out of Somewhere in England might be, you know, among the weakest, if you even want to call it weak. But Dark Horse to me, because there's so much, so many great albums he's made from All Things Must Pass. You know how I feel about living in a material world. 33 and a third, George Harrison, mm -hmm. two killer albums back to back. Yeah. Antropo, I think, and we talked about that album here, very underrated album. And Cloud Nine and Brainwash are two brilliant albums. So when you mix all those albums together, there's got to be one or two that, you know, are somewhere in the bottom of the list. And Dark Horse to me is kind of close to that, but I, I love the songs on there. Um, let's talk about the songs. Which ones do you like? Which ones do you not care for? Let's start with Joe again. Well, the songs that I really like a lot, probably Simply Shady is probably my favorite song, maybe on there. Uh, I just, uh, you know, it's about George's life, kind of at the time being on a bender and drinking and binging and not really doing so, so well before we met Olivia, really, because um, he was having problems. But uh, I know there's a little bit of humor in there. I loved a bit about the uh, mention of Sexy Sadie in it. Mm. <laughs> we mentioned a couple of times. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just love this, I don't know, the music of it, the musical part of it, too, in addition to that. Uh, so Sad, I really like. Um, 
I like the beginning, how it has a very wintry feeling, kind of reminded me a little, uh, I don't know if I'd say, maybe like Winter Rose, you know, McCartney. Uh, and, and, and the lyrics, you know, Tom was mentioning the lyrics. I mean, I'm no, I probably didn't, not analyzing every song lyric, but I did happen to notice these at this time around, and, and I, I, I wrote them down. Uh, <clears throat> like it says, now the winter has come to eclipse out the sun that has lighted my love for some time. And a cold wind now blows, not much tenderness flows from the heart of someone feeling so tired. And he feels so alone with no love of his own. So sad, so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I like that one a lot. That's really, it really is a touching song. Um, I've mentioned Ding Dong, Ding Dong, which I like, Dark Horse, which I like, uh, Far East Man, uh, written by George and Ron Wood. Uh, you know, I I think Ron, Ron Wood did a version. I never heard the other version that Ronnie Wood did. Yeah, I didn't hear. I've never heard that version. It's okay. I, I I like the slide guitar in it, and George's voice kind of shaky on it though. I I, I like the song. It's not one of my very favorites. Um, I I could also mention Harry's on tour, but. Uh, to me, that's kind of ordinary. Uh, you know, it has a slide guitar uh, bass to it that I like. Uh, it's an instrumental. I think that's just that's supposed to be what he that's what he used to like theme the tour, right? That's right, the, the sure. tour theme. Uh, a lot of people think it's a great opener for this album. I, I think it would be a good type two opener, but I don't know. Uh, I, I, it's open the whole album. I'm not so sure about it. Then again, looking at the other songs here, what would you open <laughs> open it with? You know, there's no other real contender that really really strong opener. I don't think so, unless you do ding dong ding dong, which is already you did, flip them. Do ding dong ding dong to open the album and use uh, Harry's on tour on site too. Um, looking at my notes here, the bye bye love. I want to mention about that. You know, the Everly Brothers song. Always hated that, George's version. Always hated okay. it. But uh, listening to it more times in recent years, and especially on this recent listen, you know what What makes it interesting is the change in lyrics. Because mm-hmm. George just does change some of the, the words to fit his situation. When he sings, of course, we know the lyrics, and I guess I'll be the first to say them. I'm, I'm sure other people are going to write some of these down. But, you know, there goes our lady with you-know-who. I hope she's happy, old Clapper too, yeah. meaning uh, Clapton. Uh, George's take on it makes it intriguing for me to listen to these days. Otherwise, it would be just an insipid, terrible, terrible version of a great song to me. If that's not for George's take on it, which is interesting. Mm. And uh, the the only songs we ha- that I don't like on the album at all. First of all, the worst song on the album, one of the worst songs in George's career, in my opinion, it is he, Jai Sri Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Not for me. I don't like it at all. Uh, and uh, people may be surprised. I see in the comments, some people said they like Maya Love. Oh, no. It's monotonous to me. It's the same old thing over and over again. And before you say it, before you say, but Joe, ding dong, ding dong is the same thing over and over again. You like it. 
It's got a good a good tune at least or a melody or something. I don't like the Maya Love one. It's just monotonous as all just a filler if ever there was one. And that's my feeling on the songs. Hmm. Interesting. Because the songs that George did on the tour <laughs> were <laughs> Harry's on tour, which you don't really care for, <laughs> and Maya Love. And well, he did Dark Horse. So yeah. I wonder partly why it was a flop. <laughs> partly. Also changing a lot of Beatle lyrics. Yeah. I might have a slightly different opinion than, than you. <laughs> I've been counting on it. <laughs> it how about you? Your favorites, your your the ones you possibly dislike. Okay. <laughs> All right, my all-time favorite on here is Far East Man. I love Far East Man because it's got kind of an R&B flavor to it. I mean, you know, come on. Of course I'm going to love it. Uh, love the chord changes on it. It's just gorgeous. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and I have heard the Ron Wood version. Um, and that's good, too. Uh, that's good too. I, I guess I do like this version better with the sax that were the sax and the piano, but, uh, but you know, I, as I said, uh, the Ronwood version is good too, but it's obviously more guitars uh, on it, but I, I just love this. Um, as I said, bar none, my favorite song on the album. Um and uh, sorry, Joe, I love my love. <laughs> I love that. I love you that and, song. You and Mark Zutkoff. Uh, yep, yep. Zuck. I love my love. I, I just beautiful lyrics, and uh, I, I just think that's uh, a gorgeous song. Uh, so sad. Uh, you know, you mentioned that. Um, just a just a heartrending uh, song, and and you know, kind of typical of, of many songs on this album and uh and i'll keep you out of suspense i, I my opinion of this album has grown uh quite a bit um oh. you know it's it's um you know there's so there's such a confessional tone to you know many of these songs and maybe that's what some people didn't like about it that you know are some of these songs depressing yes they are uh but and so sad is is in that category but I appreciate his honesty. I mean, he's in that song. He's kind of saying, yeah, I screwed up. I mean, in, in, in the marriage, you know, mm -hmm. I, I messed up and, uh, and simply shady. It's another one I've always really liked again, lyrically. I mean, you know, he's painfully honest because another reason I think that his voice blew out is that, you know, after the, the breakup, I mean, he was doing some serious partying, uh, mm -hmm. drinking drugs and he's awfully honest about it here. Um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, kind of saying uh, here, it's a no, no, no sooner had I sown it when I began to reap, I was torn from shallow water and plunged into the deep. And as I started drowning, uh, I clung onto a straw. I think cocaine was one of his mm -hmm. drugs of choice mm. at the time uh, that somehow kept me floating while my madness craved for more. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good description of addiction, you know, and, uh, and it's, you know, in, in a way, the, the music is very, 
kind of, I don't know, it's sort of a country rock, as I remember that, that track. So it sounds, you know, kind of catchy and, and all, but when you listen mm. to the lyrics, they're pretty harrowing. Um, yeah. So I like that juxtaposition. So, um, and of course, we've been mentioning uh, Ding Dong, Ding Dong and, and uh, Dark Horse. Uh, you know, those two songs I had already been, you know, pretty familiar with, but but still uh, good tracks. Is, you know, is his, are his vocals flawless on all of these tracks? No, but not as bad as I re remembered. I mean, you know, because again, you would read over and over again, oh, his the vocals were so rough and, right. and, you know, but when you listen to it again, they're really not that bad. I mean, you know, the Dark Horse, yes, they were probably the roughest on that, but the others, maybe not as strong as on, say, All Things Must Pass or Cloud Nine, as you mentioned, Tom, but not to the point of, you know, that they were terrible or anything. Mm -hmm. um, this, the songs are still great. Ones um, I, I didn't care for, uh, Bye Bye Love, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, those lyrics are so self-pitying and, and <laughs> you know, Come on, George, you cheated on Patty, you know, just as much and the whole thing about, oh, these ladies did me wrong and just just stop. Um, <laughs> just, the, the, the lyrics just pissed me off. So I, I just didn't care for that at all. Um, I mean, musically, it was fine. But the, the lyrics just I, I just didn't care for. It is he. I mean, musically, it was pretty. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, musically, I liked it, but went on a bit too long, uh, too. I mean, you know, it was interesting, but yeah. Uh, um, Harry's on tour. Harry's on tour. It was, you know, it was it was nice. Um, I wouldn't, as you said, Joe, I wouldn't have started the album with it. Um, you know, I thought that was kind of an odd choice, although I guess maybe you could argue it was sort of a preload. Uh, to I, I think George even called this album Peyton Place or something because yeah. it, it was describing the drama he was going through in his life. Um, interesting idea, but I just thought it was kind of a you know kind of an anticlimactic opener, um, you know. But uh, but the, the band played very well. I mean, the top shelf musicians, as we mentioned. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, you know, just didn't do it for me. Um, like so, yeah, yeah, so uh, so those are the, my picks. But there were some, you know, great tunes on here that I think have aged well. Uh, and so not saying it's one of his top albums, as, as you said, Ken, but definitely better. I, I think it's aged better uh, over time. Okay. There's definitely some tracks in here that rate as essential. To me mm -hmm. like you said certainly so sad i would put in that category and yeah and uh despite what joe thinks my love i think is real <laughs> but i uh, guess i'm the only one it's one of those tracks i guess you never and know I, i'm gonna be different from it's the little lamb dragonfly of george i guess <laughs> that's right i'm with you on the little lamb dragonfly <laughs> really Tom, yeah, i'm with you on that let's get your take now all right um <laughs> song wise Song wise, uh, Kit, you and I are are together on the, the you know Far East Man and Simply Shady. I think those are the best two songs on this album. That's me. Um, Ken, I am so glad that 
you've been able to get the raspy voice out somehow. I don't know how you did how you do it, but or how you did it. But I mean, I listened to something that is so perfect musically wise and dark, the song Dark Horse. And then I hear his vocals and I'm just like, man, I just wish he would have put that on the shelf and then just went back and did it when he was, you know, in better and better and, you know, better vocals uh, or better voice. Um, because I, I love it musically. Um, and, you know, he tries and it's fine. I think it's a good song. Uh, I just think it suffers because of his... Because of his vocals, unfortunately, um, I'm a, in agreement with 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 uh, Joe, and maybe I'll, I'll we I can we can talk about this more. I think the biggest problem with this album for me is the track listing. I think the track listing is wrong for this record. I understand it. I, you know, I was reading on you know he wanted the the album to open like his tour open, and you can get that. You understand that because of the fact that this album came out or you know after the tour had started. So I can I can understand that. You know. But, you know, when you're, you know, like someone like me, your kid, and you're going back and you're looking at it, you know, on the outside looking in, you know, it's, it's for me, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. I've never been a biggest fan of, of uh, instrumentals opening albums, if there ever was any. Um, I, I think the about, title track. Uh, Tailed Winter Bird. Yeah, it's, it's not a favorite of mine. It's good. It's not okay. a favorite though, you know, and I've, and I've said that, but um, um you know, I would have said the put the title track as as the opening and end it with ding dong ding dong maybe because of mm. the fact that it's you know it was December right the new year was coming anyway so mm -hmm. um but yeah those are my two favorite tracks I I do like ding dong ding dong is as simple as it is it's it's catchy tune I love the yesterday today was tomorrow and uh, and tomorrow today will be yesterday I love that line for whatever mm -hmm. reason I think it's yeah, great yeah. Well, that was that and was taken those are written yeah, on the walls there exactly and mm -hmm. I would love to go to Friar Park just for that just to read <laughs> what what you know oh um, uh -oh. yeah um, <laughs> I like I again I like the the guitar work on on so sad and Maya love I think he's I think that's the best parts of those two songs uh, in my opinion um, so so yeah I mean it's got it's good stuff um, you know I kind of like it is he I, I like the uh, uh, he he who is complete three worlds at his feet for whatever I like that lyric um, but uh, but yeah um, you know. Simply Shady, Far East Man is great, uh, but uh, Ding Dong, Ding Dong, and Dark Horse are probably my favorite tracks. Okay, so it's like a middle what about, album for you. What about Bye Bye Love? It, it's it's the middle of the road uh, uh, album for me. Yeah, for George's discography. Yeah, I didn't sure. say where I placed ah. the album. I didn't know if you, I don't know. See, I don't know the. We haven't gotten to show. that yet. Yeah, yeah, we haven't gotten it. I'm saving it. But, it right. but yeah, but if we're <laughs> going to talk about reasons why we don't like it, the track listing for me is probably the main thing that 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 affects this album or bothers me about the album, whatever. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a fair assessment for for the intro track, as, as you said. You know, they, I thought that was a not a good choice for the to kick off with the instrument. Look, you know, I'm thinking is really like I was saying, I don't think I'm looking at the list here and there's nothing for me that uh, I would think would be a strong opener. Even Dark Horse, maybe I'm just used to hearing it later in the album. You know? Yeah. Right. But yeah. I was thinking the same th thing though. I think Dark Horse would have been a good opening track. You know. Yeah. 
I never once had a problem with the sequencing because I grew up with the album as it came out. Yeah. And mm -hmm. It's cemented in my brain that way. Listen, and, I would yeah. I would love Ken to be able to say that I lived this real time, you know, <laughs> just to see how different my take would be on all these records. You know, well, what does guys? that matter? I don't think that has anything to do with it. I, mean, I, what, I think you, it does. I think right? when you're on the outside looking in, you look at these no. albums differently. I'm talking about the sequencing. I can I can listen, catch an album later and say mm -hmm. I like the sequencing or not, depending whether I heard it when it was released or 10 years after it was released. It could be good mm -hmm. sequencing or not to me. I don't okay. I don't I don't get that. I don't know. When when music affects you and really has an impact on you, it isn't just I mean, the songs are the most important thing to me. But when you're used to hearing an album a certain way, mm -hmm. I mean, just take a look at the Beatles albums. I mean, the most important thing is that the songs are strong. But there was also reasoning they put behind mm -hmm. the sequencing in the songs. Right. And, and, you know, what's a great opening track? What's a great song to close an album with? What's a great song to close side one on an album with? Right. You know, all those things kind of, you realize that the way those songs were, were placed was really brilliant. And I guess because, you know, I grew up on all this stuff at a young age and I grew to love these albums as they were. And I don't always go through kind of like, you know, what we, especially you, Tom, because you do this a lot on, on Two Legs, you know, since Paul in particular, makes so many albums where he's got extra material and he puts bonus mm -hmm. tracks on CD singles and what songs would you take off the <clears throat> album and what would you use as the bonus tracks and put them on the album instead. You know, I'm used to the albums the way they were. Right. You know? I still don't understand. I, 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 I want to make my argument about that because it doesn't make a difference at all. When You, you can listen to an album in 1974 and think this is a great sequencing. Uh, you know, other people might listen to 74 and said, and said, you know, I think it would have been better if they flip flopped these two. Isn't it, it? How is it like a thing of repetition? It's not necessarily well, I, think that, I just think that the songs on, on most of their albums make sense the way that it's sequenced. I really like Carrie's on tour as an opening track. I think the, it really, you know, kicks off the album. It's an up-tempo <laughs> instrumental. It was made to be done live. And I think it works on that level. And it's catchy. And I don't think it goes on too long. It ends just right. And, you know, it was. it's a great song to do live. Just like and as for the, Be the Beatles you mentioned. It's a great song to do live. And was placed right there at the very beginning of Venus and Mars. You know, mm -hmm. I think that it made sense for Harry's on tour. I don't know if Dark Horse would have been. I suppose, you know, if... If Dark Horse was the opening track all these years, I'd be used to it that way. Probably. Right, by your logic, that would be the case, right? You would say, well, I heard it that way, since for, for, so that's it's good but that's the way it should I, be. I do you think know? there's a lot of thought being put into this. No, there, there, there is, there is, but oh, you can yeah. still, I, I'm sure if we go through all the albums, solo albums we're talking about, um, I bet you there could be some that uh, would have benefited different sequencings. You know, some people don't like I Don't Know at the beginning of Egypt Station. Oh, I happen to oh like maybe. I happen to like that opening for that. Just so subjective, right. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I wanted to say about the Beatles was, you know, of course, that's a whole other thing. The Beatles, yes, as you said, they put a lot of work into their sequencing, as John even talked about. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think in some cases, okay, everybody get those tomatoes ready. I think Capitol uh -oh. Records improved <laughs> on the sequencing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
I think that uh, I'll, be, I'll be back. It's, it's, for another it's show, I think. Track. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, you know what I'm saying. That's a whole show mm-hmm. on its own. But uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. I've just seen a face as a great opener, even though the Beatles didn't intend it that way. Yeah. And could it be that's also because that's how you grew up on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a better mm-hmm. opener. But uh, it's not about, again, again, I'm going to, I'll hit this into the ground if I have to. <laughs> It's not just about how you grew up. I don't understand this. That's that's part of it with some things. But sequencing, you can listen to a record when you when you first heard it. You could have said, you know, this was really good. But man, it would have been cool to have this song. I close the album would even been stronger. Even if you only heard it once or twice, Mm -hmm. you could make that determination. Like I said, I used Egypt Station as an example. People right from when it first came out said, ah. You know, I don't think I, I, I don't think I don't know is a good opener, although I like that. I keep saying oh, that. I happen mm-hmm. to like that one. This would have been better or whatever. Um, not a matter of how many times they heard it over like 40 years, you know, so. Yeah. Right. right. Well, this yeah. for me is the only album I've ever felt that way for in George's catalog. I've, I've only ever felt that way about this particular album where I think mm-hmm. it would, you know, benefit with a different track list. Or different mm-hmm. sequencing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Hey, look, yeah. we all got different opinions. That's what it's all yeah. about. You have to. That's, that's all that's about. about. Absolutely. And, and so many times I've said where the Beatles are concerned, their songs are so strong, you would have gotten used to them in any order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In fact, if you take a look at a lot of what was done here in America, like with Meet the Beatles and With the Beatles, even though it started with I Want to Hold Your Hand here, you still had the same sequence of many songs in a row from With the Beatles put on to uh, Meet the Beatles. So, you know, anyway, I do like really all the songs on Dark Horse, Simply Shady and and, uh, So Sad are outstanding songs. And I do like... um, you know the the lyrics that you pulled there uh from simply shady mm-hmm. Kit. yeah very powerful there and deeply personal coming from george i don't mind when he's confessional i don't mind when he's showing you he's in pain he's being honest yeah. isn't that what we admire john for so much all these years why can't george be the same right it's yeah. not exactly, exactly. Moon. yeah <laughs> what'd you say joe not exactly see moon <laughs> Not many songs are, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I like Simu, but yeah. um, and I, I love So Sad. I especially love the guitar playing from George on there. He's yeah. doing these, I guess you, you want to call them triplets. It's kind of similar to how he played Here Comes the Sun in a way. And uh, really love the personal lyrics in there, the slide guitar playing. It's just a beautiful song altogether. All what I like about Bye Bye Love is that it's a completely different arrangement. He could have easily went the Everly Brothers route and did one that was a carbon copy. And I probably would have liked it because George loved 50s rock and roll. He loved that kind of music. He's so at home doing that kind of stuff, but he did his own arrangement there. And it's kind of quirky. And he put in his own words there about Eric and Patty. And that's fine. I think he also kind of has a sense of humor about it all. Because if you think about what George was saying at the time, he said uh, he'd rather that she was with him than some other jerk. So instead of just being upset that, you know, the marriage didn't work out, Patty went to one of his best friends. Maya Love, I think, is an outstanding song. It's lively. It's catchy. It's funky. I love Billy Preston's piano playing on it. 
it's yeah. just right perfect you know exactly what needed to be played there on that song and you know there's a reason why he chose that one as a as a as a live song um really do like it a lot ding dong ding dong i like because it's so darn catchy you know i kind of look at it maybe i shouldn't as a bit of a novelty record you know in a way but you know it's a perfect song to sing on new year's eve it's fun really and truly if you think about it it's it's more about embracing the present and saying that the past is the past which could apply to any day of the year um i always love dark horse as a song because it sounds so different like i said with that acoustic guitar intro and building the song around it um there aren't songs like that that were on the charts that i can recall at that time and i've grown to love especially as many beatle fans have the sound of george when he's acoustic based um and i'm really glad you mentioned far east man kit because mm -hmm. we've talked here on this show about how george not only had an r&b feel to him but also this light jazz feel and i think yeah. a lot of that started from working with tom scott who is yeah. on this album and mm -hmm. the la express is on there and there's a few tracks that they play on um carries on tour and i think simply shady they play on but this kind of paved the way far east band paved the way for songs like pure smoky right uh, or learning how to love you um songs like those that have a light jazz touch to it so to me that showed you know a bit of change and a bit of growth there in george and i like that a lot and I do love it to see Jay Sri Krishna. I love the chant-like nature of the song. I especially love the sound of the flutes. I think Joe said you like the flutes in uh, Dark Horse. I love the sound of the flutes there on it is he Jay Sri Krishna. It's kind of like his My Sweet Lord of that year, in a way. And uh, really, nine tracks that I, I really enjoy listening to. Um, it's just that, like I said, George's catalog is so solid you know, all the way through that so many other albums that I think are stronger, but I do like all the songs on here. You so know, how would we, who was it? Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's it's really interesting when I, I went back and looked at some of the original reviews hmm. at the time uh, this came out. And, you know, and again, I'm not claiming this is one of his all-time best or anything, but it seemed like a lot of the reviews that really panned this album, it wasn't so much about the music as it seemed more personal. You know, it was about the tour that he was on and, you know, his refusal to play a lot of Beatles songs to the ones that he did, how he rearranged them and changed some of the lyrics. And, you know, it, it just seemed like this this kind of personal you know vendetta against him that he wasn't being beetle george well you know, yeah and so it was about that and not so much of the record um you know well, so if you if you go back and read some of those reviews like in rolling stone and some of the others it's just fascinating to, to read them that you just mm -hmm. want to think yeah that's but, but, but what about the album <laughs> you yeah. know so it, it's fascinating so you know when tom when we were you know reading yeah. some of those books and all it's it's you know i think that colored you know our initial impressions and and when well, you part back, of the like, i think part of the bigger problem was that it was released during the tour not before right. i mean I, you just imagine you can see 
maybe their opinions would would differ if they had heard it first right you know? and then they didn't have all that beetle bs uh yep. you know to talk about in their review maybe they mm. could have paid attention to the album a little bit more and and not the tour you know? yep exactly exactly it seems to me from what i remember the critics were really harsh on george whenever he would get either too personal or too spiritual or too preachy they didn't like that side of george mm -hmm. they wanted him to be more commercial and upbeat and my sweet lord what is life those songs mm -hmm. that they could accept but when yeah. it was more you know about himself and saying something that meant a lot to him not that the songs on all things was fast didn't but like i've talked about living in the material world songs like be here now and the light that has lighted the world and you know there are a lot of people out there that don't want that side of george right so, but i will say and this is bouncing off what you just said tom as much as i like dark horse as an album it probably would have benefited had george taken his time recording the album and planning the tour better so that the album was out before the tour even started and i think the sales would have been much better it went to number four on the charts mm -hmm. here in the united yeah. states you know it didn't even chart in the uk right that's right wow. can you believe that Jeez. George yeah, Harrison I believe it. not to even make it because i wrote it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i read that yeah i didn't know i didn't know that until i looked it up yeah but just imagine if he if he didn't rush his way through this album mm -hmm. if he his time maybe put it out early 75 and start the tour after that it probably would have done a bit better right or if he just didn't have so much on his plate that year i mean like you said like you talked about at the beginning you know look at everything he was doing that year yeah he, he took on a lot he was going through a lot personally yep. i mean yeah he bit off more than he could chew mm. all right so even though we've kind of uh, given our opinions here where do you think this album rates in the entire canon of george's solo career uh joe well first thing is that uh upon this most recent listen i do enjoy the album more than i have it's an album that's grown on me over the decades i i enjoy it more now than i did in the earlier days of listening to it although i still think that it uh is not one of his best albums it's better than extra texture in my opinion Although I love the first three songs on Extra Texture. I always say that. Mm. Love the first three songs. It's the whole rest of it I don't like. <clears throat> but uh, there's a few more maybe around on this album than Extra Texture that I enjoy. Probably three up from the bottom, something like that, with uh, Sorry Ken, Gontrapo, and Extra Texture. Uh, that's probably my third one up. Yes, I put Somewhere in England over this as well. I like this Somewhere in England better, probably. Okay than uh this one i think it's one of his lower tier albums but not the lowest it's uh you know just okay and uh I, a couple of standout tracks i really like on it okay all right kid um yeah this is this is really hard because i you know if you had asked me some years ago i would have said oh bottom you know but mm as i've revisited this um i'd say maybe middle tier uh because there are a number of songs on here that i like enough 
uh, you know, the, as we've been talking about the R&B, jazz kind of tracks. Um, and there were only a few that I, I really disliked. Um, and so, you know, not one of his best, but far from his weakest. So I'd say, yeah, middle tier. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Tom. It's a promotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I could say you could it's 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 at the bottom of the top half or it's at the top of the bottom half. Either way you want to put it. <laughs> That's what I'm using. Top of the bottom. Top of the there bottom. you go. Try to put a positive spin on it. Yeah, exactly. That's what you got to do. Put a positive spin on it. Um, but yeah, it's it's right there, right at the cutoff from from his better stuff, and then right at the cutoff at the, the stuff I maybe I don't like as much. But uh, solid effort, nonetheless. All right, I probably would put it, kind of what Joe had said. Probably from if you look at the bottom, go up three. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. somewhere in England, the the way it was released would be below that and probably mm -hmm. extra texture, mm -hmm. you know, but still, like I said, his catalog is solid all the way through. They've got so much worthwhile stuff on every single album that um, it's worth exploring every single one of them. So, yeah. well, now we know what uh, album Ken puts at the bottom. Somewhere yeah, I was I did I was wondering, please tell us. I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a toss-up between those two. But you know, I have so much affection for extra texture when it first came out because I really love that album. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for his name is Legs, <laughs> it would be <laughs> I'd be I'd be rating that out. You requested that song on my yes, show. Well, it was yes. the perfect mm -hmm. choice for the theme. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, I love every song on Extra Texture except his name is Legs. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, like I that think either. that's that means you love every song on the other ones. that means you love every song on the other ones. Ken was doing uh -oh. a live show. Ken was doing a live show, and the theme was the second half. The theme was was uh, songs with the, with body parts in the name oh, yeah. of the title. Oh, and that was the first one. That was the first one that popped in my head. It's the theme. Yeah. And it wasn't three legs. No, no. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would, yeah, that would have been the obvious one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. Funny stuff. So uh, how do you guys feel watching the show right now? Do you agree with our opinions? Well, I know that Susan agreed with me on my love. Thank you, Susan. Somebody. One per <laughs> I don't have one person. Just one. <laughs> Uh, there's got to be one person for everybody here in this world that's right so let's see and susan also uh says uh she would rank the album nearer at the bottom of uh george's barrel sad to say uh astro jerry agrees um <laughs> feral mcnulty says to susan so sad <laughs> nicely played uh let's see and christian agrees uh let's see um um ollie perry says uh that uh, extra texture and dark and uh, dark horse are lowest um let's see i'm i'm just skimming I'm here that that there are fans that would rate somewhere in england higher 
Mm. Mm. I agree. I agree with you. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Someone yeah. had the four original songs that were supposed to be on it. It would have been such a stronger album. Yep. Mm. I agree. I, I'm ranking it based on the one there is. Yep. So, yeah, a lot of people have been saying they really didn't like the cover of Dark Horse. Okay. Boring cover. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, and uh, let's see. Oh, Tim mean, Allen. The, I'm sorry. You mean the front cover of the album? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't mind it. The school picture, isn't it? Yeah. The Liverpool right. Institute. Yeah. Last photo. I like the back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tim Allen says, I think this is Georgia's second worst LP. Oh. Right so, behind what? <laughs> okay. Well, it's not somewhere in England. Right in he just wrote, I love of. somewhere in England. So, okay. So it's not that. Hey, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Crazy. <laughs> so you're not in trouble, Tim. <laughs> and, um, uh, Nasser Jair said, near the bottom for me, but I did put the 2014 CD in my car to play it tomorrow going to work. Yeah, I love that version with the the uh, demo. Um, well, he needs something yeah. to put his orange juice on. Yeah. Yep. He, also, he also mentioned what uh, <laughs> I don't care, the I don't care track too. Um, which yeah, I listened to that. Yeah. And I yeah. said, I wonder if, because I, I really wasn't familiar with it, I'll be honest. And I said, let me... B-side, and I said, let me see if that would have been good for the album. And then right off the beginning, he says, we got to do a B-side now. So, <laughs> so like, yeah. oh, that's the end of that, and it stinks. So, yeah, I didn't like it. Oh, I, didn't I like, like it. it. Again, yeah, I, didn't, I know you would like it. I'm not even asking. I know you like it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for, for that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ollie Perry says, somewhere uh, somewhere in England, uh, in Gone Trapo over Dark Horse and Extra Texture. Mm. Okay. So uh, let's see. So yeah, those are the. So the consensus seems to be toward the bottom. Yeah, yep. I I don't know. I would have said that years ago, but as I said, I, my my estimation's gone, gone. Up. I'm not saying it's one of his best. Absolutely not. But but better than I remembered. I, yeah, me too. It certainly is better than I than I remember and better than mm -hmm. I thought previously. Yeah. Absolutely. So worth a, well worth another lesson. So if there's anyone watching that really hasn't given this album a chance, listen to it. Let us know what you think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Listen with fresh ears. Mm -hmm. Don't listen to Oh, his voice is terrible. Don't think that. <laughs> don't, don't think that. Don't even think of it. I like it first when he keeps it level. I'm a blue moon. Like you know, you know, you know, or is that later he does that the second time around? <laughs> yep. Mm. All right. No, but I love it. I love this song. Yep. <laughs> so why don't we go around the horn here and tell everybody what we're up to? We'll start with Joe. Start with me. Oh, good. Okay. Well. First of all, I'm going to be, I'm supposed to be recording a Fab Gab show. You know how these things go. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. I'm supposed to be recording one with a person who's returning to Fab Gab for the first time in, in over a year, and that's Matthew Street. Matthew, Matthew Street. Wow. He's going to do a show with me again. You know, not every show, but when he can make it and we have something. And we both were talking about topics and we hit on one. He actually suggested it. It's something that's been on my mind for a long time. It's going to be controversial. 
It's going to be what we call the marginalization these days of John Lennon mm. and how he's been marginalized and put down and scorned everywhere, that kind of thing. And uh, that's going to be on my channel, Mean Mr. Mayo. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to put it up, but not too long after we record it, we're supposed to record it in a uh, the time this comes on. I don't know. Uh, must record it in a couple of days, a week or so. Just look for my channel, Fab Gab, uh, and you'll find that. It'll premiere. And also, um, I have a movie channel called This Week. It's called Movies with Mayo This Week. So I'm trying to get a laugh out of Tom, but I guess not. Uh, well, you know, and uh, well, there it is. You know. Movies with Mayo. With Mayo. I, I have all kinds of movie shows on there and unrelated to uh, Beatles and music. But there you go. And uh, check out Movies with Mayo. All right. Very good, sir. Uh, Tom, how about you? Okay. Thank you, Ken. Well, we've, we're kind of, we're, we're going, but we're kind of like going at a little slow place at, right at the moment, which is nice. We're taking, you know, we're, we're pumping out shows, but uh, not as much uh, at the moment. We're just kind of, you know, taking it easy. Uh, Andy's been busy uh, this month, uh, but uh, our last show was uh, um, on uh, Paul in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We talk about, you know, his 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 uh, his uh, introduction speeches for other artists, and the, you know, obviously the No Show and, and his eventual uh, induction, and uh, that wonderful shirt that uh, a particular person was wearing for that. <laughs> so, and you all know what that was. Um, this month, Mark did that shirt. Oh, absolutely. There should have been a trademark on, on that shirt the next day. <laughs> absolutely. Um, uh, this month, March, uh, is going to see the 200th episode of Two Legs, which I'm just, uh, just wow, I can't believe it's happening. But leading up to that, episodes not 198 and 199, we're going to be doing a thing called March Macca Madness, where we're going to have a bracket of 64 McCartney singles and you, the, the audience, can help us choose which songs make it to the next round. Uh, so we'll be doing that uh, this coming Sunday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, hopefully we'll get the first two rounds done. And then the following Sunday, we'll, do, uh, we'll finish it off. And uh, then we'll go into episode 200. I still don't know what that's going to be, but maybe um, some friends that I have right now can, can show up. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I haven't really, uh, you know, talked to anybody about coming on or anything like that. But we're, we're thinking these next three episodes are going to be live shows. Um, so uh, look, be on the lookout for that. Uh, look on our Facebook page, uh, Two Legs of Paul McCartney Podcast, and you can find the bracket uh, there. You can print it out and you can join us uh, for that or for those two shows. So that'll be fun. Um, also, two months ago, we had Luca Prazian and he talked about uh, doing uh, his brand new book, Paul McCartney, Music is Ideas. And I know Ken just uh, talked to him as well. And, uh, you know, the book, uh, I got it on Amazon and I had it uh, two days later. Well, that's and, uh, there it is. It's, it's, a, it's a big one. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's out there for everybody to get now. So you can go back and scroll down two months uh, on the two legs and you can uh, hear Luca talk about uh, this. And obviously we'll have him on later um, in a month or so after uh, – Look at this. We got to read this wow. first, you know. Boy, got to read that bad boy. You know, and 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 maybe you'll see him uh, here on Talk More Talk as well. So you might. We just yeah, might. Yeah. You yeah. never know. 
you never know. So, right. um, but email us at two legs podcast at gmail.com. And uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Two Legs at Paul McCartney Podcast. Please. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, please, please us. That is, that yes. <laughs> I like that March Madness idea. Yeah, that's a cool idea. That looks like fun. Yeah. We know that Sea Moon's going to win. So uh, obviously, totally. obviously, everybody's going to light one up and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I like Seymour too. Are we... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. it all right. Well, first of all, uh, you can, of course, uh, follow us on, on uh, Talk More Talk. You can um, contact us uh, via our email, talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com. Uh, we always love to hear from you guys, feedback, um, any uh, topic ideas uh, you would like to see on this channel. You just might see uh, your idea appear on a future episode. You can follow us on Twitter, Talk More Talk one the number one. Uh, you can find us on the web talkmoretalk.com uh, of course please uh, subscribe to our channel right here um, and smash that uh, that bell like button oh, just to touch it <laughs> hit that button um, to be notified of new episodes uh, you can also uh, follow us on Facebook uh, and uh, subscribe to our page there like, uh, like our page to be notified of new episodes um, and you can also listen if you prefer to just listen to our show you can do that on virtually any podcasting platform that you prefer so check us out there um, as far as I go, I am working right now on my next class, which starts April 13th. This is the last part of my Roots of Rock and Roll series. This time it is international influences of rock and roll, looking at Cuban, uh, Mexican influences, and African influences. So uh, we're going to go on a trip in different parts of the world, and you won't even need a passport. So we're going to look at uh, Things like uh, the influences of uh, Paul Simon's Graceland album, um, influences that Santana draws from, that kind of thing. It's really been fun to, to work on. And so hope you'll sign up for the class. There's a link on the Talk More Talk Facebook page. Uh, and there's one on my Facebook page as well. So I hope to see you there. Uh, registration is open now. And I'm hoping by the next episode, we will have more information for you on our Vesper Beetle fans panel. Right. It's going to be a very very special one for many reasons, including this year, and I think we'll, you know, they'll, they'll be doing something about this at both fest. This is our fifth year that we're, we've done Talk More Talk. You I can't believe it. It's been five years. So uh, if you come to our panel, you will get a special commemorative something for, I'm not going to, we're not going to tell you what it is. But oh, I had a honeymooners special... line already for it. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but of course, but but something special to commemorate our fifth anniversary. So, uh, so you you're really gonna enjoy this, folks. Uh, that this this panel, we have a special special person who will be joining us for this panel. Um, so hopefully we will have more information by the next episode. Fingers crossed. And of course we will post it on our Facebook page. We'll keep you informed. So that's that's everything on my end.
boy, you got a lot on your plate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so when you said I go, I thought that was going to be the next Apple product or the brand new Apple product. No. <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> yep that's it i like that seminar series it's kind of like going on vacation with kit that's right yeah. and as i said you don't even need a passport you don't have to pack anything it's, right. it's perfect good because mine's expired <laughs> <laughs> okay i know kit always says this in our shows but she didn't say it this time so i just want to thank matt at Fab Four Radio for carrying our shows. He carries this show, Talk More Talk. He carries Things We Said Today. He carries my radio show, Every Little Thing. And he carries Two Legs, the Paul McCartney podcast. So thank you for continuing to support all of our shows here. Great radio station, Fab Four Radio, 24-7 Beatles all the time. Can't beat it. Um, as for my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio, as I said earlier, just did a real sneak preview for uh, Luca Parasi for his brand new book, Tom's Holding Up Again. Music is Ideas, which we all knew came from the song Talk More Talk, right? Um, and, uh, no. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> How much I listened to that album. <laughs> and just like Tom said, um, I'll be having Luca on my channel. We'll be on Two Legs, possibly on ours, once we're all done reading the book. I did an interview with Colin Hall, who just recently put out this book, The Songs the Beatles Gave Away. That was a marathon. Uh, it was a radio special that Colin worked on with the uh, BBC DJ, Bob Harris, legendary DJ, on the songs the Beatles gave away. And from all the research that Colin did, he added more research to it and put together this book. This deals only with the Beatle years as a group songs that they wrote and gave to other people really is a fascinating and very thorough look at all this stuff if you want to learn about all the artists that that recorded Lennon McCartney songs the songs that the Beatles themselves didn't release it has all the information about the beginnings of their careers what songs they recorded that John and Paul gave a few instances songs that George gave and also if he knew the information what happened to all those artists um, and it also tells you the very beginnings of John and Paul writing songs separately and together, that whole history. And um, it's a great book. And there's even a chapter in here um, talking about the tour with Johnny Gentle, which I found to be, you know, it's it's not something you read about too much. Um, I know Mark Lewison covered it, but there's a chapter in there on that. Rita Kelly uh, contributed a chapter about what it was like to see the Beatles at the Cavern, which is really good. You know, so many artists that you've heard about, the obvious ones, Billy J. Kramer, Cilla Black, Peter and Gordon, those are the ones that benefited the most from the songs that John and Paul gave away. But there's all the other ones that only did one song, and many of them are kind of on the obscure side, like Penina, <laughs> Carlos Mendez. How did that happen? Well, it's all covered in this book. I did an interview with Colin and... If anyone has watched that interview in its entirety, God bless you. It's over three hours long. It's a marathon. Wow. Like an hour to me. Yeah. But there was so much information packed in this book, and we covered just about everything that we could. You know, everything from the early beginnings through uh, George's work with Doris Troy is in this book. And that's on my YouTube channel. 
Um, I will be doing this week my second Ultimate Beatles trivia show. Yeah. And Joe, being the winner of the last one, we'll see if he can keep the throne. Um, right. And that's going to be Thursday. We're going to record that. It's going to go up right after that. Yeah, but they're going to have he's going to have Mark Lewis in on it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. We did. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there for that. But at the fest. Yeah, I did one with him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know. and Ken uh, Ken Womack, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. Well, to see your, yeah, there you go, absolutely. Well, can't wait to see your opponent. This will be great. <laughs> we'll go, Joe can hang on to the title. <laughs> Remember, Joe, don't get any sleep the night before. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That's, that's you, how I you, did it last time. You whipped our butts. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. He could turn in to be the, the Ken Jennings of the Beatles trivia world. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> On my uh, other podcast show, Things We Said Today, we just did a George Harrison tribute show. We're going to do a show next week with the author of a brand new book on the use of synthesizers in music, and in particular, the Moog synthesizer. Oh, Beatles did that. Um, on Every Little Thing, my radio show, don't forget you can always listen to that on demand at wfdu.fm they post two shows of mine each one runs for two weeks and so you don't have to listen at a specific time at any of the radio stations although that's a great thing too but <laughs> if you want to know anytime during the week when you can hear my radio show every little thing go to wfdu.fm and um, don't forget my weekly Beatles trivia anyway that's on my website kenmichaelsradio.com you can get it on uh, my YouTube channel with the show, and you can always you can always go right to my website with his prizes every single week. You can pick one of ten great prizes, like the McCartney Legacy book, for example. Mm. So again, that's at KenMichaelsRadio.com. Please subscribe to all of our channels. Don't forget Toppermost of the Poppermost with Kit. Yep. And uh, thanks to all of you. For joining us tonight for this show hope you enjoyed well, our comments and our review of the dark horse album we'll do another one another another listen soon and if there's a, an album you want us to talk about let us know here in the comments Absolutely. thanks to all of you guys for watching yeah. and uh till next time for kit tom and joe this is ken michaels saying well it's obvious bye bye love We'll see you next time. <laughs> see ya. Bye, everybody.